That's it. Listen, that was it. That was all I was looking for. That's what we needed. That's it. Let's talk Knicks, man. That was awesome. Let's get into it. Let's not waste time. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. felt good i am it's a night later one night after the knicks stunned the heat and i'm still feeling the euphoria it, man all season all season long man yeah it's early but the first 14 games heading into this i just you know i felt fine i felt decent um but i didn't have that same energy that same feeling that I had with with last year's Knicks, and part of it is you know you're you're having some, you got expectations now, and you want to build off of that, of course. But like, I just felt like there was something missing, and you know I felt like they were playing okay, but not that good, and I felt like they needed to show me a statement win, a signature win, because so far this year they've beat up on a lot of bad teams, and the elite teams that they've played, granted it's they, they've had a tough schedule, they've had they've struggled against them. But this, I mean, Knicks Miami, Knicks Heat, uh, it's a classic throwback, an old-time rivalry. You know, it's if you care about the NBA Cup, you had the Knicks, their lives on the line. This was an elimination game for them. It's on ESPN. You know how the media is going to be with the Knicks. And, of course, it's the first two times, it's the first time uh, that the Knicks and Heat are meeting each other since the second round of the playoffs last year. So all that, just the stakes, man. And to be down by that much, that late into the game, and then you win like you do at MSG, absolutely amazing, stunning. Um, I was screeching, S-C-R-E-E-C-H-I-N-G, screeching, watching the game in the studio last night with the windows open. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure, like, five minutes after I screeched, screeched. Like, I was <laughs> embarrassing for a 28-year-old man. I heard the next-door neighbor's um, young child crying. So, I woke up the neighborhood last night because I, I get into these Knicks Heat games. Um, the amount of hate, pure hate in my heart for the Miami Heat is unmatched. 
Um, there, there's nothing I wanted more last night in the moment than for the Knicks to put their foot on their throat and stomp and smush and put them out like a, like a cigarette you just used. Um, and oh man, it just felt so amazing to do that last night. I can only imagine what it was like inside the building. Uh, you had John Stork going nuts. They kept panning the camera to him. Um, but you know what this reminds me of, and it's, you know, it had me thinking of, um, this after the game and I'm not trying to call the Miami heat cheaters or anything, but, um, just in terms of the energy that I get, the energy I carry watching these Knicks heat games, the passion that I watch these games with the nerves and the stress that I get, it reminds me of when I watch Yankees Houston play each other. It's like the early stages of Yankees Astros 2016, 2017. Um, you have to excuse me if I make some like weird mannerisms, gestures with my neck throughout this episode. If you're watching the video format, it's because something's been going on with my neck lately. I think it's the way I'm sleeping, so bear with me here. Um, but it just kind of reminds me of Yankees Astros, how the Yankees are always just the one step below them. They're trying to get their revenge all the time. They've had moments, but not in the the big games, the playoffs. I, I just get that same vibe when I watch Knicks Heat with this new core that the Knicks have. It's just I, this pure hate that I have for them, and I want to be able to beat them so badly. And when they do, it just feels good. And I respect the Heat. I respect the Heat. I don't respect the Astros and their fans, obviously, but um, I respect the Heat and their fans because it's a fair game. And, oh, man, uh, it, it felt good. It felt good. This Again, this was an NBA Cup game, if you care. This game, um, the Knicks went into it, tried to keep their hopes alive in the tournament, and they did with this win. If they lost, they would have been out in group play already. So um, it, it was good. I watched this game on MSG, um, but I realized that this was also being televised on ESPN when uh, the game took forever to start because every time it's on ESPN, they got to drag it out with the pregame and talk nonsense even though you know i i've complained enough about espn in the past but just you know they those guys never do their homework it's all narratives it's like reality tv nicks for click shit over there but i watched it on msg uh kenny and clyde last night and yeah it, it finally took place you know it was scheduled to start 7 30 that's when they usually air when they usually start when they air on msg strictly um, but they were also on ESPN, so it didn't air to like nearly eight o'clock. Um, but um, the Knicks pulled it away. The Knicks came into this game fully healthy, left it fully healthy. That's good. The Heat were without Tyler Hero, and still no Duncan Robinson. Uh, but you know, doesn't matter for them. They're such a good organization. They develop guys like it's nothing. They develop great role players. They got this new new kid, um, Hawkes. The kid's already one of those pain in the asses. Um, but, yeah, this was a fun game. I want to talk about it with everybody here on the show. So let's get to our first break here on BD4, episode 583 of the podcast. The Knicks grabbed their first signature win of the year in a big-time rally against the Heat at the Garden last night. Let's talk about it as soon as we get back from our first break, though. Stay with us. We'll be right back in 20 seconds. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, 
be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. All right, let's do it, man. So, the Knicks actually got off to a red-hot start in the first quarter. They start this game off on a 10-1 to run. Uh, Randall, in the first few minutes, was actually seeing the floor well. I didn't think his process was that bad to start. Um, the court vision looked good. He was making quick reads early on. Knocks down a three. Throws the lob to Mitchell Robinson. Gets to the free throw line. Knocks both of those down. He's rebounding. Making nice passes throughout. Uh, then Brunson knocks down a three-pointer. And the Knicks are up 10-1. to one. Uh, But then Miami answers back. And they go on a 15-2 run to take a four-point lead. Um, awful defense in transition by the Knicks, who sh- pick it up shortly after they call the timeout. Um, they go back up two points. You got some real great ball movement again by Randall. He finds quickly in transition for a floater. Then he swings the ball on the perimeter to Josh Hart in the corner for three. After one, the Knicks were only down by three points, 28-25 to Miami. And uh, the second quarter comes, and the Knicks defense is keeping them in it. He had a solid stretch at the top of the second quarter from RJ and the bench unit playing in transition. They were they put the Knicks back up a few points. Um, but then Miami goes back up. Uh, Knicks just turnovers and more poor transition defense off those turnovers. And some lazy half-court defense, which throughout the night they were not boxing out. They looked very unaware under the basket. Easy backdoor cuts being allowed. They didn't play the prettiest first half. Um First two and a half quarters, you could even say. Um, Brunson's keeping the Knicks in the game. Mitchell Robinson's having a good second quarter on the boards and defensively. And then at the buzzer, Grimes knocks down a massive catch-and-shoot three-pointer to put the Knicks up 51-50 at halftime. And then they come out of the half and just lay an egg. And this gave me major Minnesota Timberwolves vibes from the game prior to. Miami starts the second half, the third quarter, on a 19-0 run. Um, The Knicks just looked uninterested. There was a lot of poor one-on-one offense. More terrible turnovers. Um, That was a big-time problem throughout the night. They had 18 of them. Awful, awful in terms of taking care of the ball. More lethargic transition defense um 19-0 run I don't know where Tibbs was with the substitutions we'll talk about that um but the Knicks go down by as much as 21 points late in the third quarter finally the Knicks end that 19-0 run though it's Brunson and RJ who get going with a few baskets each um but it didn't really matter because they start turning it over some more um they show a little life at the end of the third but Miami goes into the fourth, up 87-71. And then you get to the fourth quarter. Now, I had in my notes, fake comeback next to fourth quarter summary. I had to change that just before to not so fake comeback because we didn't get the Knicks trademark fake comeback last night. We got the real thing. Um, You had clutch bench play early on in the period to get them back in it. Dante knocking down a three 
running the break, um, did step out of bounds. Hart's pushing the pace quickly, quickly with some massive fourth quarter baskets. Um, and then Brunson and RJ make their mark. They take over in the second half of the fourth quarter. Um, you get those three, three consecutive clutch and one finishes between the two of them. Brunson has two, RJ has one. And then a few minutes later, you get the Brunson dagger in the mid-range on Hawkes to put the Knicks up three points. They're up 99-96 with a minute and a half, a little less than that, to play. That's when Miami pulls it to two, or no, they pull it to one. Yeah, they pull it to one with 15 seconds left with Bam on the free throw line. Tibbs calls a timeout. Miami fouls Brunson. He misses one of the two free throws. Um, and so with the Heat down two points, they got the ball in the final seconds. They push it up court. Butler gets a good look. Um, he creates separation from RJ on the uh, on the right wing, kind of in the corner. But RJ does a nice job recovering. And Butler takes his shot, and it just misses. I mean, it kind of rolls in and out, and it goes out, it, you know, bounced a little bit, and the buzzer sounds, and the, the Knicks win the game. Um, 100 to 98. I don't know how I didn't faint when Butler took that shot because all of my Knicks PTSD came back to me in that moment. Um, and then again, uh, the shot bounces off the rim and, and that's, that's when I wake up the baby next door. So, oh man, it felt good. Um, and listen, the offense last night, I guess we'll get right into this thing. It wasn't great. The half court offense wasn't terrific. Uh, just 100 points at the end of the day, but you had to know. This was going to be a defensive battle heading in. It's always a defensive battle when you got Knicks heat. Um, the Knicks all night were having trouble getting off good looks against a tough Miami half-court defense. And obviously, Spolstra's, he threw the kitchen sink at the Knicks. I mean, they were running zone. They were applying full-court pressure. They were throwing traps. They were doing everything. They were pressing Brunson a ton trying to force the ball out of his hands and get somebody else to take it up. Brunson only had 16 shots last night. You know, they tried their best. Um, the Knicks, you could tell, were trying to push the pace and play fast, but the turnovers become a, became a major issues. Yeah, Randall. <laughs> um, but yeah, Miami did a very nice job just mixing up coverages. They were hedging and trapping on those pick and rolls with Mitch. That forced him in the short roll, and you don't want that. So, excuse me. It took the Knicks a little while to, you know, to adjust, really. Um, you know, you kind of wanted more guard screens to get the, to get mismatches, excuse me. <clears throat> but in the game's biggest moments, again, the final half of the fourth quarter, you saw the Knicks finally start to exploit Miami's defense. Um Brunson, really nice job in this game late, making reads, and, and he saw that Miami was going with a switch-everything defense, and 
he got his matchups that he wanted in the fourth quarter. He's very good at hunting matchups. And so what does he do? Uh, well, a number of times. Uh, he calls quickly over to screen for the switch, and that led to the dagger shot on Jaquez, right? We get Butler off of Brunson with the switch, and instead he exploits Jaquez. Um, for the and one that he made, he um, he calls over R.J. Barrett to get the switch onto Jaquez also. And even on the three-pointer that he took and missed, he switched Butler off of him and onto RJ, who was off ball. So he was constantly hunting the younger rookie because uh, he knew he had that advantage. So you got to credit the Knicks for doing that late. Uh, Brunson for taking command and, and, you know, calling over his guys to get those guard-to-guard screens. Um, so that was the first thing I just want to point out that, uh, the Knicks did a nice job exploiting matchups. And that's that's something, again, that Brunson excels in. He did it all throughout the playoffs, uh, especially against the Cavs, just hunting um, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he does it every time we play the Atlanta Hawks. Goes after Trey Young. They can't hide him. Uh, and so he did that in the Heat series, and he did it last night against the Heat. So very good at doing that, going over the screen, the screener and getting this switch. I want to talk some Tom Thibodeau as well. Um, interesting night for him. Uh, we'll talk about it when we return from our first from our second break here. Uh, we'll be back in a few seconds. Stay with us. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ. And something's wrong with my neck. Um, Tom Thibodeau. I, I didn't think that he coached a great game last night. I, I thought he had mistakes. Um, obviously, the third quarter, when Miami goes on that 19-0 run, he sticks with every one of his starters. There was not one single substitution. There were two timeouts called, but he didn't make a single sub. So he stuck with the same rotation. Um, I it's, it's hard for me to fathom how that even happens. Um, I'm sitting there like, where the hell is quickly? You know, how was Randall in there the entire quarter? Um, and that would have been such a loud topic. It's already a loud topic because it's Tibbs and... He gets shit every night. But had the Knicks lost that game, not come back the way they did, I mean, you probably would have you would have saw the hashtag fire Tibbs back. Um, yeah, that would have been up there in the uh, on the right panel of Twitter um, X. Just <laughs> especially with the way you know. I I just I, and I get it, man. I like quickly needs more minutes. You know, I, I I want him so badly to be part of that R.J. Brunson-Randall trio of guys who are playing 35 minutes a night, right? Instead, he barely touches 25. You know, I, I, I would love for them to try to find him five more minutes at least um, because... <sighs> 
you look at some guy, you know, Grimes's minutes have been brutal for a little bit now. Josh Hart, nice game last night. Doesn't provide the value that quickly does. And I'm not saying that quickly needs to start because I feel like that's kind of starting to become a conversation now. Like, Twitter loves knee-jerk reactions. You know, Dante DiVincenzo, mid-level exception player, scores 25 points against the Charlotte Hornets G League defense. Everybody wants him starting the very next day. That's kind of quieted down. Now they're kind of done with him. The new toy is quickly. He goes off and saves the day in the fourth quarter. Um, they want him starting. I, I would. I part of me is very intrigued to see how potent that could be offensively, um, and defensively. But like, you need that balance, right? And to take quickly away from the bench, it weakens it a lot. It's a good bench, but I feel like he's the catalyst. He's the lead guard. Like he starts the engine for them. And you take him off the bench, where's the scoring going to come from? It's not coming from Hart. It's not coming from Grimes. Doesn't have a bag. It's not going to come from Dante. It's not going to come from Hartenstein. So you you can try your best to, you know, stagger and, and have quickly get minutes with them. Obviously, RJ likes to play with the bench, but that's still not. You're playing 48 minutes, you know. And the other side of it is you throw quickly in the starting lineup. Well, now he's the one, instead of Grimes, who we constantly complain about lack of touches, quickly's the one who's going to have to play next to RJ, to Brunson, to Randall, who are going to get the lion's share of the touches, the reps, the shot attempts. So, again, I'm not saying it's a stupid thing to ask for. I'm intrigued myself. But I just... It's hard to say start him. I, I do think I'm in agreement with most Knicks fans who think that he should be getting more minutes because he should be. Uh, and even if his offense isn't there one night, he's still going to give you positive impact because he's a very good defender. Um, it's hard, though, because everyone's healthy right now, and he is your backup to Brunson at point guard. So there's staggering that will have to happen. You know, I don't think it's Tibbs not wanting to give quickly minutes. There's no vendetta. If that was the case, then, you know, when Brunson went down last season, quickly wouldn't have been the first one up and he wouldn't have played as many minutes as he had. He played, he he started in 21 games last year. And in those 21 games, he averaged just below 40 minutes a game. So it's obvious that quickly that Tibbs wants to play him. It's, it's just a little hard. It's difficult to give him more minutes if he's not starting because he plays the backup point guard role. You know, he's not always going to be playing two aside Brunson. So, I, I you know, I agree. And I think he should always close. I'll also say that he should be in the closing lineup every night. I, before the season, I was saying, you know, the backcourt was kind of interchangeable with a lot of guys. Well... Now, alongside Jalen Brunson in that backcourt, quickly 
I believe should also be a lock 97% of the time to close the game, right? Bearing games like, I don't know, Milwaukee, right? A couple weeks ago when you, you, you go with the matchup, you need size. I, I can understand that. Um, but between his playmaking and his point of attack defense, I just think you need quickly out there closing games. And I think he should be at minimum playing 30 minutes tonight. Um, especially, I, I, you know, I thought you, you had to find time for him in that third quarter. Um, Randall, it was an awful game for Randall. The six turnovers, the defense, still led the Knicks in minutes. You know, um, Tibbs did bench Randall in the fourth quarter. I, I will give him that. You can call it a benching, whatever you want. But he didn't play him until the final three or four minutes. Um, and even when he checked back in, I'll go further and say that Randall wasn't really part of, like he didn't, I don't think he touched the ball. We laid off the Randall ball. So that was a positive. But again, he still played 35 minutes in hole, um, which led the Knicks on a night where he was pretty bad. 19-0 run in the third quarter. He was out there every minute. And he checks him back in the fourth quarter during the biggest moments of the game with less than four minutes left. Um, he comes in for Josh Hart, who was playing well. Hart was a big reason that the Knicks were showing life early fourth quarter. He was pushing the tempo from defense to offense. And he was taking his open looks for once in this game, too. He wasn't a detriment in the half court. Um, but again, I'm, I'm going to try to play devil's advocate because I think it's important that you at least try and understand both sides. Uh, because on the other hand, this is your lone all-NBA player. He's a, a top two, three player on this roster. You're stuck with him because... You stick with him, sorry. You stick with him because you expect that guy to play like that. He's your all-star. So I'm going to stick with you because I trust that you'll turn it around as you're an all-star. So does Tibbs stick with him sometimes to a fault? Sure. Yeah. Um, But I think the whole stubbornness thing that we complain about with Tibbs is also like a continuity and consistency type of thing. Like it's about establishing one plan, one role for these guys. Guys know what, when, where, how, why every single night. They always know what's on the script. Uh, So as much as we hate the lack of flexibility, that's the idea behind it. Right? And I think that to a T is what made, it's what's made the Knicks so successful underneath tips is that he's developed this idea of a continuity, a consistency. Um, yeah. So I, I try to understand it more. And I, I do wish we would stop feeding Julius the ball 25 feet from the basket because um, Miami's just going to double him. They're just going to cheat the passing lanes and... You know, their way of neutralizing Brunson was baiting Randall into long isolations, funneling the ball to Julius. Um, I prefer we not give it to him up top and we set him up on the block, give it to him in the pinch post first, 
because you know when he, when he catches it far from the basket, he turns his back. You know, he has to pound the air out of the ball, and you know they send weak side help, but he can't see it from behind him. So he's toast. Um, so I think he's just doing a little too much on the ball sometimes, man, and that just kills this offense. He needs to be set up more. Um, the jump passes, they they made a return for sure last night. Um, they killed us. At least three or four times uh, a jump pass led to one of those six turnovers. Um, he had an awful pass to Dante Weekside as well that sailed into the seats. Um, he telegraphed a pass up top. Gets picked off, didn't bother running back, puts his hands up, poor body language, has to travel in the lane there. You, you know, you just got to get him off the ball unless it's on the elbows. Um, but what's the alternative in a game like this sometimes, right? Sometimes you have to look at the other side of it. Miami's defense is top-notch. Spolstra is a genius coach. This shit is not black and white, folks. Because if you went with an alternative, they would have adjusted to that. And then what? We would have complained about that. Uh, maybe we could have gone to RJ more. I think that's a fair point, though. You know, I feel like we didn't really look to get RJ featured last night. Um, we were featuring him early in the season when he was going strong. And last night he had a good game, 18 points, 50%. So I, I think, you know, maybe look to try and get him curling off screens and playing downhill. Get him in those pistol actions again with Mitch. Brunson sets it up. You know, maybe something like that. The Heat were switching. They were switching everything last night. So maybe try to get Butler off of RJ by running him in actions. And I, That's a fair point. Um, on the other end, I feel like RJ could have also been on Jimmy Butler more. I felt like last night it was a lot of Grimes, a lot of Josh Hart. They don't have the size. We've seen Grimes get pushed around. We've seen Hart get pushed around. Butler's just way too big for them. RJ is really the only one on this roster who can match up with Butler with his size and length. Um, he's just got the strength to be able to handle Butler more, especially where Butler is currently as an athlete. Um, Butler was 0 for 6 when RJ was the primary defender last night. No points. So I thought he did a solid job um, guarding him for just over two minutes in the game total. Uh, when Hart was on Butler for about three minutes, Butler went four for five for ten points. When Grimes was on Butler, that was about six minutes, he was one for two for five points. So, again, RJ 0 for 6, no points. Um... So that was, those were just the criticisms I had on Tom Thibodeau last night. And again, I'm not going to an extreme trying to understand why he did the things he did and didn't do some of the things he didn't do. There's a fly in the studio here. And it's been in here for fucking three days now and it's bothering me. Um, I want to give credit to Tibbs uh, for, for some underrated moves last night. Nobody's talking about the Hardenstein move, you know. We all want to complain about what he doesn't do. That was a good move. I mean, you're pulling the Knicks' best defensive player. You're pulling one of their most consistent players this year. He's been a top three player, arguably better, on the team this season. You pulled him, that guy, and it paid off tremendously for you. Isaiah Hartenstein was big. 
He came up with the the huge chase down. That was a key moment in the game. The Knicks are down 21 points late in the third quarter. Hartenstein, you know, bad pass. Sprints back down the other end. Blocks Highsmith. Josh Hart grabs the board. Pushes it to quickly. Quickly knocks down the three. That was a big moment. Kind of starts that little turnaround. Uh, Mitch has a tough time against Miami. Feels like they just have a way of neutralizing him. So Tibbs adjusted late. It paid off. I think just 20 minutes last night for Mitch. So for all the shit you hear on Tom Thibodeau getting outcoached by Spolstra all the time, that's usually true. Uh, He definitely did in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, he walks away with the win this time. And I mean, for all the criticism that Tibbs is still getting on Twitter after last night, look at the other side. I mean, if you're you're Eric Spolstra, you have Jimmy Butler on your team. Hall of Fame lock, six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, All-Defense. You've got Bam Adebayo with him, two-time All-Star, four-time All-Defense. You're up 21 points late third quarter. You're up 18 points early fourth quarter. And you lose the ball game. I don't know, man. I think I think Heat Twitter. I I think they're probably saying different things right now. I don't know. It's every time. It's always with the coach. All sports fans do is default to the coach, the manager. It's crazy. I see it all the time. Um, I just think there are other things we have to look at as well. Um, I want to talk. Uh, let's hand out our our game balls. Let's do that when we return from our first break. I keep saying first break. When we return from our break, our third break here on the show, episode 583 of BD4, I'm your host, RJ. We'll be right back, and when we do, we'll talk. Um, We'll hand out game balls. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to episode 583 of BD4. Let's hand out our game balls. The first one among the starting unit. We're going to Jalen Brunson, obviously. Let's get it. Bing bang. Brunson last night, 24 points. 10 of 16 shooting, 63%. 1 of 4 from 3, 25%. 3 of 5 at the free throw line, 60%. Across 34 minutes. I thought Brunson was excellent, man. I mean, (laughs) unbelievable game. Uh, unbelievable fourth quarter. You know, he scores eight points in the fourth, goes three for four from the field. Um, again, Miami throughout the night, you know, they're throwing switches, help defense, their best defenders are on Brunson. But it didn't matter because Brunson capitalized on Miami's switch everything defense. Um, he hunts Hawkes time and time again off those guard screens. So, with Miami switching everything, he got his way. And it's just, it's unbelievable how clutch Jalen Brunson is. Every time, every time we're in big moments, he gets it done. Remember just a few years ago, 
We were talking about the Knicks needing a closer desperately. Well, remember when we were talking about the Knicks needing a point guard, needing a point guard, needing a point guard for over a decade? We got two very good point guards now. You know, one of them who we're about to lose because he's log jammed from another starting point guard over him. Um, now, speaking of point guards, only three assists from Brunson last night. I'd only, I only, I know that only, uh, Jesus, I know that doesn't always tell the whole story, but there were still moments in this game where I feel like he wasn't passing and he, and he looked off guys like third quarter. I felt he and Randall did a little too much. Your turn, my turn. I'll take a shot. You take a shot. Um, I feel like he missed Miss Mitchell Robinson a lot, you know, on those cuts, those rolls. Seems to be a recurring issue between the two. Two years in a row now where he's not really great at finding Mitch. Um, not great at finding his bigs. Seems like he prefers hitting his shooters because he's just more comfortable going to his shooters than throwing lobs because he doesn't have the size you know, to throw over them and all those bodies and all that length down there too. Um, I think that's why you see taller players like RJ and Randall find Mitch off pick and roll in the 3-5 and the 4-5 a whole lot often. Um, but I'm not complaining about that because Brunson was their best player last night once again, and he continues to be, and I think he's fully back now. Um, you know, the two-point shot was a concern earlier in this season. The mid-range game, his touch at the basket. Last year we talked about how he's he was 47% on his mid-range, 59% at the basket, well, now he's up to 43% on the mid-range, and he's up to 51% at the basket, which seems like a shitty number, 51% at the basket. But remember, where he was earlier in the season, he was up in the 30-something percent range. That's He's been much better, and he's getting there. So I think Jalen Brunson's back. Um, last night was a great night for him at both levels. Um, Three-pointer cooled off, but again, you're not going to shoot 48% all year from there, so that's going to happen. And with this game ball, he now has six bing-bong game balls to lead the starting unit this season. The only player on the team with more is the guy we're going to next, uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly last night, man. Woo! 20 points. Um, just a huge spark. A huge spark. From the end of the third quarter to you know the first half of the fourth quarter, where he was just knocking down big shot after big shot. It always feels like it's quickly sparking a Knicks run with a big shot, right? And in the third quarter, what do you know? The Knicks are struggling. He checks in, you know, three or so minutes left, knocks down two big three-pointers, and the Knicks kind of, again, they start to find it shortly after that. Um, Knocking down that mid-range last night. That mid-range jumper, that turnaround mid-range jumper, has kind of become a staple for him, man. When he gets inside that arc, picks up his dribble, turns around, shoots it. Pretty consistent with that shot. Um, so, yeah, he was in scorer's mode last night. He wasn't playmaking a ton, but they needed him to score, and he brought it. And I also liked his defense. You know, I thought he had a nice block on Lowry in the middle of the fourth quarter now with the Knicks down 10. A good block to keep it there. Um, made a nice, uh, he made a key hedge on Butler to bring RJ help late in the game. I thought he played good defense uh, manual quickly. So that was a fun win, man. And um, up next, it's the Phoenix Suns. 
So the Phoenix Suns are hot. They're starting to win games now. Um, they've had some health issues, obviously. That's something I think like, that might hold them back this year. But we'll see what happens tomorrow if KD plays. Um, it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm, you know, take your time, KD. I'll, I'll say that. Um, the Knicks are going to need everyone in this game on their games, regardless, you know. And that's what kind of scares me right now, man. Not everyone's clicking. Like, Randall, that's that's where I go. That's where I'm going right now. Um, that's what scares me about this Knicks team this year is that they always seem to go year by year wherever Julius goes. As far as Randall takes them is where the Knicks will go. You know, because you think about it, well, he comes here year one, sucks, the Knicks suck. He bounces back the very next year in the COVID season. The Knicks make the playoffs for the first time since 2012. He has the thumbs down year after that. The Knicks were a disaster that season. He bounces back last year with a strong year. So did the Knicks. They make the second round. This year, he's not been so good. We need him, man. We need him to find it. It's... It's a trend that happens because he's such a high-usage player on this team, right? Um, he's always featured in the offense. He plays every game. He plays 35, 40 minutes every game. He's got the longest leash, you know, from the head coach. So, yeah, obviously they're going to go where he goes, and it's a bit concerning. He's, you know, I thought he turned a corner, and, you know, who knows? Maybe he still did. Maybe these are just two rough games. But... Yeah, I mean, history's not on his side. Um, I mean, if there's one thing about this Knicks team, though, they can beat anybody. You know, they have fight. They are a resilient bunch. They are a Thibodeau team to a T. You know? But this is a big game for me, too. I want this. I want this. If you if you grab this win, well, now you got a chance to get real hot. Because you'd have beaten Miami, Phoenix, and then you've got Charlotte, Detroit, and Toronto coming up before the first round begins. Tournament. Um, so, this would be good. And and I asked for a two in one week, so this would get them exactly that. I think that's it. There's not much else to say. Um, I think we covered everything we've needed to. So, good win. Fuck the heat. Forever. Let's head to our final break, and we'll get back, and we'll start this. Uh, no, we'll wrap this up. We will wrap this up when we return with our trivia. Stay with us here on BD4, episode 583. We'll be right back. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born.
Welcome back to the show, episode 583 of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to BD4. I appreciate it. So let's wrap this up with our trivia question. This one's a true or false. Uh, true or false, the Knicks have now won five of their last six regular season matchups against the Heat. Is that true or false? True or false, the Knicks have now won five of their last six Regular season matchups against the Heat. The Knicks have now won five of their last six regular season matchups against the Heat. True or false? That's it. That's all we got for the show. I appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, RJ, and I think that's all we got. So let's wrap it up here. Let's get it. And um, we'll be back. Oh, what the hell? Let's get it. <laughs> Sometimes I just talk without thinking. So that's why I like stutter, stumble over my words, and rush. I gotta chill sometimes, man. I'm still kind of new to this podcasting thing. I'm like five years into it. I guess that's... I guess that's not new. I'll see you in episode 584 when we're talking about Nick's sons. Hopefully it's about a win. But as far as this game goes, 100, 100 to 98 at Madison Square Garden last night. The Knicks keep their hopes alive in this midseason tournament. Uh, I think the next cup game is against Charlotte on Tuesday. But the next game, Phoenix, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks!